It's time for Yes, I Can Living. Entrepreneurial women all have one thing in common. We want to consistently improve our lives to be the best it can be. I'm your host, Kathy Alessandra, and I'll be interviewing inspiring women who think outside the box, color outside the lines, and live beyond the limits of their fears. They're living all in and playing full out, creating their best life and embodying Yes, I Can Living. Welcome to the latest episode of Brave Bold Women. I am your host, Kathy Alessandra, the Yes I Can Coach, and very excited to have a very special guest with us today. Joan London helped wake up millions of Americans as the host of Good Morning America for two decades. As a journalist, a busy working mom, and part of the sandwich generation, Joan knows a thing or two about the realities of aging women in our society today. She is a leading health and wellness advocate, speaks around the country on women's health and how to age successfully. And her latest book, which I absolutely love, Why Did I Come Into This Room? <laughs> a Candid Conversation About Aging is being called her most candid, raw, and funny book to date. And I am super excited to have uh, a woman that I have admired for many, many years. And um, welcome, Joan. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. It's my pleasure, Kathy. Happy to have you here. So your latest book, I'm, I'm telling you that I'm, I'm sure I can only imagine how many people absolutely relate and just literally as I'm reading it, I start laughing out loud because I can so relate to some of the things going, I mean, from the, from the peasing to the pinata moment. <laughs> I mean, By the way, peasing is pee, peeing and sneezing at the same time. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, it's it was, funny, it's funny because I have women who are in their 20s or 30s, and then other women who are in their 70s or 80s, and they all say the same thing. It's like you were writing it just for me. Um, <laughs> I knew that I couldn't write about all the different things that happen to us and our body as we age that are annoying and embarrassing, a lot of them, um, and worrisome. Right. without writing it with humor. But I think, you know, I started noticing some things changing about me. And what happens, I think, with most of us is that you think, oh, man, this is what it's going to be like. I'm breaking down. I'm getting old. That means I'm less appealing and less sexy. And pretty soon you get to less relevant. And that's a terrible path to go down. <laughs> but we don't, we don't talk about these things. It's, it's like they're all taboo subjects. Mm -hmm. Which is funny because you can watch, you know, ads on TV for Viagra and everything, but you can't talk about a leaky bladder. You know, it's, it's, um, and difficulty, you know, um, pain while having sex, loss of libido. Mm -hmm. Why do all of a sudden our waistlines just, you know, disappear? <laughs> all these things. And this shouldn't be taboo because if we, the, as I started researching it, because that's me, that's how I, you know, it's happening to me, then let me look into it. The more I read, the more I learned, the more I realized that it's not just something happening to me. Mm -hmm. These are just the physical aspects of aging that happen to every woman. And as soon as you look at it in that, in those terms, mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, okay, so here's another one. And you don't personalize it. And you don't start down that path thinking that there's something wrong with you. So I wanted this to be a conversation starter, but I knew that if I was going to talk about leaky bladders, that I was going to have to do it with a sense of humor. 
So, you know, instead of writing a chapter on urinary incontinence, I wrote the chapter on sometimes I laugh so hard, tears roll down my leg. <laughs> my husband would say, you're not really going to say that. And I said, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> right? right, exactly. Well, it brings levity to all of it. You know, we're, we're all yeah. facing as we get past 50, really. I mean, we start going through, I just celebrated my 55th. And, okay. and, and can relate to many of these things. And I absolutely from going into the room to, to the sex drive, to the weight, you know, and the body changes, right? And I think it's, you bring a lot of levity to it, which is very helpful and understanding that we're not alone. And we, you know, all of us are going through this, but actually having that con candid conversation in the book. And I think that as you start to understand, I mean, I write with a lot of humor and I share a lot of stories. Mm -hmm. That makes it fun to read, because I want you to keep reading. Right. But I also researched it to death and spoke with a lot of doctors and experts. And, you know, once you start to understand, and I tried to explain it, not like a doctor telling it to you, but like just all, like all of us talking, like I studied this and this is what I found out. And when you start to understand what happens as the estrogen depletes in your body and like just completely falls off, and while your metabolism consequently starts really going down, going down, going down, the easier it is to gain weight is just because of that dance that our hormones always did in our body. And now they're not there anymore. And then the easier it is to gain weight and the way harder it is to lose weight. Right. So, you know, if you understand this, like what's actually happening in our body, um, it makes it much easier to deal with it as it's happening to you. I remember the day that I, uh, I don't remember whether I was learning it from an expert or I was reading it. I found out that when the estrogen is completely gone from your body, it, that's basically the end of your menopause. And it happens at different times for different women. Mm -hmm. Your body was always in the, I'm ready for you if you get pregnant, don't worry, stage. Mm -hmm. And so it always held extra fat cells on our thighs and our hips so that if all of a sudden we had an expanding belly, that it would kind of balance you out. Well, when there's no more estrogen, our body immediately detects that. It realizes that you are no longer in childbearing years and therefore it migrates those fat cells to your abdomen. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we're here saying, Swear to God, I did not eat that many Tostitos last year. Swear to God. But it's really a natural phenomenon that happens to women as that estrogen is depleted. Now, the reason why we have to then be aware of it instead of just be mad about it is that any fat above your belly button is the most dangerous fat on your body. The fat that's closest to the heart and that fat tends to then migrate into our organs and you have you know then um the fat in the organs is the the most dangerous for heart disease and obesity and type 2 diabetes interestingly sometimes women will go on a diet and they're like i want to lose all this around here and they see that they are losing weight but they're not seeing it go from here one of the reasons why when you start learning all this is that you lose the fat inside the organs first. Now that's actually the good news, but it's not the good news for the eyeball that looks down and still sees the stuff out here at the outside and goes, but I want this gone. You just have to keep going. But the good news is that 
you know, I mean, obviously cardio is king. Um, but as you lose weight, if you lose about eight and a half pounds, you can take an inch off your waist. Now, the other really, I thought, the most unbelievably fabulous necessary piece of information that I learned was that one of the most important numbers we should know, we all know we're supposed to know our resting heart rate and our cholesterol level, our blood sugar level, blah, blah, blah. Your waistline measurement. If there's one measurement that you need to know about your body, it's the measurement around your waist. Oh boy, that'll be a reality check. <laughs> but here's the deal. Has a doctor ever measured your waistline? Yeah, no, never. Ever. I've never had a doctor. Only um, when I wanted to have a skirt taken in or out. A tailor measured my waistline. No doctor has ever measured my waistline, and yet it might be the most important number to predict heart disease, obesity, type 2 diabetes. And a woman should really not have a, a waist measurement over, I forget if it's 34 or 35, whatever it is, I was over it when I, when I, I ran to the drugstore, bought one of those little you know, soft, oh, I think I still have it in here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I can show you exactly what it's supposed to look like. It's that little soft measuring thing. Right. I find it. And um, measure your waistline. And if it's over, and men can be more like about 40 inches, but it's amazing when you hit 60, 65, how your waist measurement just, boom, it's just bigger. And there's no such thing as, you know, spot reducing. But cardio is really the best thing. And I'm not saying you have to be a marathon runner, but you need to go out and walk. I try to do, um, I power walking, I put on some really great music. That's what keeps my legs going. Right. I, do a little, I do a little boxing as I'm going down the street. <laughs> no one's looking. I'll stop and I'll do squats. <laughs> right, love it. But, love it. but that's what gets, it, put music in your ears. It makes it fun. Or yeah. go with a girlfriend. Right. But it's really that music with the, the beat of the music. That's what can keep my feet moving. Yeah, I usually turn on some 80s. That, that tends to, for whatever, I guess. Yeah, whatever it is that gets you moving. You know, high-powered 80s. You know, you I, I, start out with, I start out with Who Let the Dogs Out? Who oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, I mean, then I have other songs that I progress to. <laughs> That's a good one to get moving, though. Who, yeah, yeah. Who, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> You know, you're obviously very passionate about this. What was it that made you decide to write this book? Because I know you have other books, but what was it about this one? Yeah, but if you look at my other books, Healthy Cooking, Healthy Living, Growing Up Healthy, I'm a doctor's daughter. My dad was a cancer surgeon. I always thought I would be a doctor. But I worked in a hospital just before going away to college and found out really fast, scalpels and shots were not going to be part of my future. So I measured in psychology, which probably helped me in as a journalist. Mm -hmm. But I've always just had this passion to disseminate information. I mean, that's obviously my reason. You know, it's my why. <laughs> was, there was a great quote. Um, uh, I'll think of it before we go. See what happens? <laughs> See what happens? That's it. Oh, I'm so glad but, I'm not alone. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I think I've already at least walked downstairs twice today and say, said, I know I came down here for something. What was it? And if you like wait around, usually it'll come to you or on your way back from doing back. something else. 
<laughs> then you remember why you went. But I've just always been a disseminator of information. And, you know, when I was even at Good Morning America, I, I really tried to always hog the health beat because I loved interviewing doctors and, you know, giving, being the, you know, the one that gave the information to help you live a healthier life and keep your families healthier. And when I left Good Morning America, you know, we didn't have laptops when we were at Good Morning America. We didn't have email. We didn't have the internet. And when I left in 1997, that's when we all just started getting our, you know, Charlie and I, we didn't get laptops till after I left. And then he left. We joked about it. Um, we had to read reams of paper, you know, everything was all uh, had to be printed out. But when I got on the internet and I started my website and they said, well, what do you want to call it? It just, I was, uh, Joan London's Healthy Living. That's mm -hmm. what I want to call it. It was never even a, a beat to think of something else. I love the health beat. And, you know, whether it's been from a parenting point of view or just from being a women's advocate, then of course I got diagnosed with breast cancer. So I became a breast cancer advocate. Right. And in a sense, I think I've always felt like, all right, so maybe I didn't go where I was thought I was going to go, but I ended up going where I needed to be. And that's disseminating information. And I think women, as opposed to reading a book written by a doctor or listening to a doctor or just getting it as a news story, I think I have a, a relationship with the American population and Absolutely. particularly the female population mm -hmm. so that I can just talk to them, mm -hmm. you know, and just share what I learn. So that's kind of what I do. I learn and then I share. Yeah, I love you talked about in the book about it being a platform, you know, that you ha you have this yeah. platform and then you have the attention of all yeah. these American women and they're they're listening. And so it makes it easier to. Um, yeah. And you can either act on that or not. I choose to act on it. Yeah. Um, and because I love it. I mean, I've been doing these Facebook lives every day since the pandemic started. My husband is like, why are you working so hard? I don't get it. You're either booking a guest or writing an interview. Like I said, I'm having fun. <laughs> this is my job. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, most brave, I mean, most of the women who are listening to this podcast, they are entrepreneurs, you know, they have small yeah. businesses and, you know, they're using their platform to speak their yeah. message. You know, it's, it, a lot of it has to do with their why. And so, um, yes, you know, really loving that piece of it and being able to share with so much of the American population, uh, women in particular, you know, the, yeah. and, and for them to be able to accept it and to read it and, and honor it. So, you know, you've, you've had a, a illustrious career. You've traveled all over the world. You've been the mother of two sets of twins. And <laughs> I mean, you've, you've got a huge family and grandkids. Seven and in total, seven. Seven, seven, yeah, bless you. <laughs> Whenever I go to give a speech anywhere, they read this whole thing. She covered five presidents. She covered, you know, how many, three royal weddings, blah, blah, blah. And they always end with, and she's the mother of seven. Well, the entire place. And I said, yep, no matter how many presidents I ever covered, it's always the seven kids that right. get the applause. Always. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I mean, that's a, that's a feat. And you had them later, you had the twins later in life, and you were juggling a career. I mean, so... So is there a, is there a tip or, or something you'd like to share with the listeners on how to really, you know, how you really thrived during all that? I think number one, I mean, the easy answer is just to say, be organized. And mm -hmm. because I'm like super organized, 
I plan everything ahead. I always, I don't let things like just pile up and then take me into insanity. Um, but I also think that you have to, while you want to always keep yourself open to possibilities, you also have to understand not to bite off more than you can chew. Like I felt that I was, um, you know, I was approaching 50 when I, for the first set of twins. If you don't, I mean, for me, I thought of it as no sweat. You know, I had three kids while I was doing Good Morning America and getting up at 3.30 in the morning and live on the air at seven o'clock, you know, when my baby was upstairs and I knew I had to breastfeed during a commercial break at some point. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I can do this. And if you don't think you can do it, you know, just because you see someone else do it doesn't mean that it's the right answer for every woman. But, you know, I married a guy and I'll tell you, I married, I got married when I was 29 years old and I got married to a guy who was 39 and we had three beautiful girls. They're awesome, but it didn't work out. Well, 20 years later, when I was 49 years old, I got married again. And again, I married a guy who was 39 years old. <laughs> I'll give you a minute to do the math there. Right, right. <laughs> for, you know, for me, that younger, 10 years younger guy was kind of a match for me because I'm pretty much an adrenaline type A mover and shaker. Right. Um, in fact, my husband has said, not that I'm looking forward to it, honey, but I want to be there when they do your autopsy because I want to see what that little chip is that you have in you that the rest of us don't have. <laughs> An Energizer Bunny thing, right? <laughs> it's definitely the energy. You know, one of the other things I loved in your book too, and I've actually bookmarked it because I want to go back and answer these questions myself, but you, you talked about it being the bucket list or some people call it a bucket list. And um, that question, what are you doing with the rest of your life? And then you'd actually given some sample questions in the book for people to really think about it. And I think right yeah. now in particular, um, you know, with the pandemic and everything really shifting and changing in the world, um, I keep talking to, to my followers about there's possibility in this pause yes, if you yeah. allow for the opportunities. Yeah. And um, this was a, a great, some great questions in here that you really, um, you know, posed. Well, you know, in addition to, I, you saw I put it into mind, body, and soul. And, mm -hmm. you know, mind, I wanted to do the concept of age. And why are we so married to it? I mean, you have five women who are all 63. They can be totally different. Marathon runner, you know, puts your feet up, you know, in the rocking chair. But they'll all be described as a 63-year-old woman. Age is probably the worst thing possible to describe a person and yet people will limit their possibilities just because they are an age. So I think age can be really dangerous for people. But I did, um, I wanted to talk about that whole concept and the concept that we're living longer. So we have to look at our life in a different way now. Right. But the last chapter, the last part of the book is about the soul. Mm -hmm. It's about letting go of regrets and mistakes and you know, it's like the, I have the, the chapter, will it matter five years from now? Probably not. And yet you're going to carry it around with you for the next 20 years and let it eat away at you. And, you know, I talked about friendship and the importance of friendship. I think I call that chapter, friends or therapists you can drink with. <laughs> I had such a good time naming all the chapters. Um, but there, you know, I, I come to this, the, the crux of the last whole part of the book is that this is not just about the physical aspects that are happening to you, but around 55 to 65 to me is a real 
pivot point in one's life. And somehow you, while you're still like doing a million things, you somehow give yourself this permission to kind of look back and say, wow, I made it through a lot of challenges. You know, that's kind of a life well lived. And then that next question is, what didn't I do that I kind of wanted to do? What did I do that I really loved that maybe I'll keep doing? You know, what were some of the dreams I had that I never fulfilled? And did I develop into the person that I really want to be? Maybe I should try to work on being a little kinder, a little more compassionate. Am I there for all my friends? Am I this? And when you ask yourself those questions, which I pose in the book, mm -hmm. then, then you need to pivot. And, you know, my mom always said to me when I was little, always have plans, always. The more plans you have, then life is exciting because half the fun of doing anything is anticipating it and planning it. Well, at this pivot point, it's more important than ever to have plans. Mm -hmm. And because otherwise you're just going to sit around and let life kind of happen to you. Right. And you're going to get whatever, you know, decides it's going to give you. Don't do that. You know, mm -hmm. my whole, that whole bit is about being the author of your own story and how important it is, particularly in your later years. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, my last, you know, my last chapter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I want to be cremated. It's my last chance for a smoking hot body. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so awesome. But you're, you're right. I mean, it's, I think it's very important for people to kind of look at that. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I do not want to be thin in my life with any woulda, coulda, shouldas. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, you but know. we get this second chance. I mean, it's, it's life's second chance. Yes. You know, at that pivot point, if you choose to act on it. A lot of people don't act on it, though, and they just say, all right, this is the downhill, you know, that I'm over 50. Like, don't buy into that. For a while, I wanted to go and like pick it outside Party, Party City. Like take all that, that <laughs> over the hill garbage out of your store. They're right. starting to eliminate some of it. I think they're starting to realize that we aren't buying that anymore. Right, right, no, definitely. no way. Mm -mm. Life is just done. <laughs> so let me ask you what, you know, with, with all of your, your career and everything that you've experienced in life and um, how would you define success? Oh boy, I think success is um, being able to balance your life and um, being courageous enough to determine what your priorities are and then work hard to try to stick to them. Mm -hmm. Realize that that idea that a woman has gonna have it all, well, you can't necessarily have it all, all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's better to, to understand that and learn to say no no is actually a complete sentence, no. But we will say yes, even though we know good and well that it's the wrong answer, that it's gonna stress us out. But we need to be able to say no and we need to be able to ask for help. And I don't know why that's so hard for us. And we need to, to just not take everything so personally. You can, somebody can like yell at a group of people and the men are gonna say, okay, and they'll go to lunch or do whatever they're going to do. They'll never even think about it again. Right. We will be miserable about it. Yeah, it's just time. one of those things that it's about women. And man, we got to take a lesson from men on that particular point. Because we just take things too personally too often. Yeah. Um, so to me, being able to like let go of the stuff that, that you shouldn't hold on to. Mm -hmm. The ability to be resilient 
in the face of adversity and to be able to just persevere. And, you know, my, my husband has always said that if you took a page out of the Joan London playbook, it would be this. Whenever you're asked if you can do something, just say yes, and then go figure out how to do it. Right. Yep. And that's, you know, I had people say to me, oh my God, your life has been so exciting. You're so lucky. Uh Uh-uh. I just said, yes. Every time somebody said, do you think you'd want to do this? Do you think you could do that? Yes. And so you, you grab a hold of all of these opportunities and that's what creates, you know, an exciting, challenging life. That's what makes you brave and bold. Right. There you go. Okay. That, <laughs> that was my last question. What makes you a brave, bold woman? I mean, I, I, I well, I will let you answer that because I see you as a very brave, bold woman. You know, I, I think I am. You have to want it more than you're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to say yes to opportunities. Um, I think that's that's really the answer to it. I think it's just also attitude. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not happy because of this. No, happiness is a choice. Doesn't make any difference what's <laughs> happening in your life. It's not what's happening to you in your life. It's how you're reacting to it. And there is a little switch up here. It starts with this. <laughs> Even just the smile sends signals to your brain. And we can all choose to be happy and we can choose to be non-reactive so that when somebody, when your teenager rolls their eyes at you, like whatever, that you can just, you can either go down that rabbit hole and be unhappy or you can just stop it right there and say, this wasn't about me, it was about them. Right. That's to me is the secret, to not react to every dumb thing in life. Right. Take a moment, take a pause, take a breath. Yeah. And said, nope, go back to the brave, bold part. (laughs) That's right, exactly. Yes. (laughs) Well, this has been so much fun. I just want to remind everybody, you can get Joan's book on Amazon and all over. It's Why Did I Come Into This Room? A Candid Conversation About Aging. And I tell you, you will absolutely love the book, completely relate to the book. And and if you're reading it someplace in public, they'll probably be wondering why you're giggling. <laughs> and they'll probably be looking for the nearest bathroom. Right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, Joan, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your wisdom on our podcast today. Much, much appreciated. This is much fun. Thank you. All right, take care. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Brave Bold Women. Be sure to connect with us online at braveboldwomen.com. You can also find our Facebook group and Instagram page at Brave Bold Women.